Turn in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. You're looking at verses 15 through chapter 2, verse 4. 2 Corinthians 1.15 through chapter 2, verse 4. We will read the word of the Lord and ask Him to teach us. Beginning in verse 15, chapter 1. In this confidence, I intended at first to come to you, so that you might twice receive a blessing, that is, to pass your way into Macedonia, and again from Macedonia come to you, and by you to be helped on my journey to Judea. Therefore, I was not vacillating when I intended to do this, was I? Or what I purpose, do I purpose according to the flesh, so that with me there will be yes, yes, and no, no, at the same time? But as God is faithful, our word to you is not yes and no. For the Son of God, Christ Jesus, who was preached among you by us, by me, and Silvanus and Timothy, was not yes and no, but yes in him. For as many as are the promises of God in him, they are yes. Therefore, also through him is our amen to the glory of God through us. Now, he who has established us with you in Christ and anointed us is God, who has sealed us and gave us the spirit in our hearts as a pledge. But I call God as witness to my soul that to spare you, I did not come again to Corinth. Not that we lord it over your faith, but we are workers with you for your joy for in your faith you are standing firm. But I determined this for my own sake, that I would not come to you in sorrow again. For if I cause you sorrow, who then makes me glad but the one whom I have made sorrowful? This is the very thing I wrote you, so that when I came, I would not have sorrow from those who ought to make me Rejoice, having confidence in you all, that my joy would be the joy of you all. For out of much affliction and anguish of heart, I wrote to you with many tears, not so that you would be made sorrowful, but that you may know the love which I have especially for you. Father, help us to have ears to hear, to see the heart of this man, this man of God, God's own pastor. And Father, that we who are called by your name, who are anointed, who are sealed, Father, would have the same heart, the same passion, the same longings and desires. Thank you, Father, for the amazing things you've already done. Thank you for the amazing things you have shown us and graced us with and allowed us to be partakers in the amazing kingdom of heaven. Help us, Lord, to have ears this day, eyes to see, and hearts with a longing to say amen, amen, and amen to your desires for your people in Christ and Christ alone. Amen. When I started into this text several weeks ago, um, 
as I look at it, as I, as I, I understand what I understand of the Apostle Paul, Paul is God's pastor, however you cut it. Uh, you can say, well, he was an apostle to the Gentiles. Uh, there are many things that he is definitely worthy of. But if you really wanted to see a pastor's heart, you look at the Apostle Paul. And this is funny because when I first started looking at Scripture and, and rejoicing at the things of my salvation, it done, I, I had sort of a, boy, Paul kind of cranky. I mean, just, you know, he just... He doesn't want people to do this, and he doesn't want women to do that, and he wants men to do this, and he and it just it seemed that way to me. As I have been privileged to spend a little more time in his writings to see some of the epistles, uh, especially Thessalonian letters, it became very apparent uh, that my uh, assumptions on the Apostle Paul were oh so woefully wrong. Uh, I have never seen a man or a woman um, with a passion for the things of the Lord, like the Apostle Paul, and and walk it, and 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 yet we have a tendency to say, well, you know, he says, you know, if the guy's unrepentant, kick him out, and if the woman does anything, they're not not of us, and you better look at his whole package, and 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 I and I think what happens is that, like last week, I was showing you that that the reason the Apostle Paul did not come to Corinth is he didn't want to come there and be sorrowful. Okay? And, 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 I, and I shared with you guys that, and, and I'll review all this, but I, I believe what happens is, and, and, and there's a tragedy that exists in the church today. All right? Uh, well, there are many. But one that is amazing to me because it is so simple to overcome but it is still amazing to me, is discernment. Okay? Um, and, and it is simple. If you've heard my statement before, and where is that in the Bible? All right? Because that is just basically discernment. Um, there is a lot of advice out there today for Christians. And, and they all really sound good. I mean, they all have wondrous ideas. And we're all trying to reach for the kingdom. Um, but we lack discernment on, but is that what the Bible says? You know, I, I, you guys know that I meet with a number of different church leaders in our community. And um, <laughs> I've kind of befuddled them. Okay, I guess because I keep showing back up, but <laughs> that maybe that befuddles them. Uh, but I made a comment to them. Uh, they were all explaining how we're in the new year, the new decade. And okay, <laughs> if you say so. Um, I praise this decade because the fireworks that I seen, they did at nine o'clock so I could go to bed. <laughs> I think that was very gracious of them. Uh, but anyway, um, uh, they, they made a comment, and, and, and they, they all have a new focus now, they tell me. Um, that immediately makes me a little nervous. What happened to the old focus? Okay, I mean, I'm thinking that this isn't... Did, did God blink? Uh, did he get... What did he do? Uh, I'm, I'm thinking that the focus that the Apostle Paul had should be the focus that we have. I don't think it should have changed, um, and... I don't think the technique involved should have changed. 
And yet in both cases, it would seem that in the evangelical church today, it has changed. But they, they're, they're, everybody's excited. It's 2010. Um, I remember going into 2000. Remember the world was going to end? Our computers were all going to crash. But I was looking at it being debt-free. Because <laughs> all the computers crash. They have no record of me no more. <laughs> that didn't happen. So <laughs> I came back to reality and said, I don't care if it's 2001 or 2010. But I look at this and I think, where is the discernment that exists in the body of Christ? And one of the things that I keep hearing is that we need to grow the church. Okay? going to be busy we're praying for it. we need to get win souls we need to reach the lost we need to, to to each needs to have some spiritual discipline for multiplication of souls in their lives and and you hear that and you think well that's cool and and, and i and i cherish that i think that's wonderful i mean we are here really if you think about it to reach the lost because anything else we do we can do it better in heaven i mean if you, you really think about it you want to worship in perfection uh, do it with the angelic host. I'm thinking that would be kind of cool. They can probably drown out even me. Okay, um, maybe. <laughs> uh, but but it, but if you think about it, uh, you want to serve the Lord, the living God. You would do it in absolute perfection. Where? In heaven. But the one thing that you can't do in perfection in heaven is reach the lost. Evangelism is just a dud in heaven. Okay, so yes, I agree, we need to reach the lost. But we have a problem. It's called the Bible. The Apostle Paul warns a young Timothy that difficult times will come in the end. That men will not want to hear sound words, but will heap to themselves teachers that tickle their ears. All right? Now, if you're trying to add as many as you can, at what point do you compromise the message so you can heap? That almost sounds anti-church growth <laughs> to me. And, you know, of course, me and my infinite stupidity, I share that. You can sit and tell me, well, you'd like to go to nine services or 29 services and four buildings and 26 French hens and two turtle doves and all that. I don't think those all go together. But anyway, um, but what do you do when the Bible says that men at some point will not want to hear sound words? And then the next question is, are we in that? Brothers and sisters, if we are not in that now, heaven forbid when we do walk into it. But if you really think about it, the church has slowly in America drifted away from its moorings of Scripture to the point now that um, preaching is obsolete. Okay, you need to sit and dialogue with people. If you, you, you can't come at them with confidence and authority. Let me tell you something. If the Bible isn't authoritative to you, I have several churches that you will be more than welcome in.
Here in Castle Rock, you won't have to drive far. Okay, because I will not compromise that. Which takes me to where I'm at. God's pastor, okay, the man that God sends out is, is, is loyal. Why? The reason that there was an issue with the Apostle Paul and they were attacking his character is he had planned on coming through Corinth twice. All right? And he had changed his plans. Well, if he's changed his plans, then he can't be trusted. Well, let me ask you a question. Whose idea was it to come twice? Paul's. Whose idea was it to write most of his chapters to this church? Paul's. There was a loyalty that he had to these people, even though they hurt him. They were attacking his integrity. And then the false teacher, if you attack the man's integrity, the false teacher slides back under and says, well, can you trust what he taught? That's crazy stuff right there, man. That is crazy stuff. But yet, you know what? I've had to endure it. And I'm sitting there going, but I'm not as effective as Paul. (laughs) Why is somebody shooting at me? All right. But it's there. If you preach truth, if you teach truth, if you speak truth, understand you will become a target. And you know what? It will come from the oddest places. But he had a loyalty, even though they were attacking him, even though maybe they didn't attack, but they just stepped back and questioned. I remember one of the most godly people that I have ever been exposed to was coming. He was coming out of his office. He worked downtown Denver. And I'm talking downtown Denver. If you want to see this guy, you got to look straight up. Okay, that part of Denver. And he was coming out of Denver and somebody seen him. Okay, he's coming out of his office and you got to go to some parking garage someplace. And somebody seen him and it was around lunchtime. All right. And they called me up and they said, you know, I seen one of your elders coming out of Hooters. And at that time, I'm <laughs> what's a Hooters? I mean, it's, <laughs> what is that? And they said, what? Well, it was around lunchtime. And the only restaurant that was between him and where he was walking was Hooters. They said, what are you going to do about that? And I said, well, nothing. Why? I didn't see him. And I said, did you see him in Hooters? And, and then I, you know, I had to have him explain to me what a Hooter was. <laughs> well, I didn't know what it was. I was I'm sorry. I was living in my own little universe. <laughs> and I prefer it there because people come with these brilliant ideas about Hooters. But anyway, and they said, that, you know, and so, you know, I had to call him. I said, was you going to you? And Hooters? <laughs> and he said, no, I was coming out of my office. I seen him. Yeah, and we said, hey, and all the rest of it. And we talked. He said, I said, well, what were you doing? He says, going to get my car. <laughs> but you thought around lunchtime. And I have never seen a godlier man in my life. I really haven't. That guy was amazing. He walked the walk. You know, sometimes he didn't even say a word. But he, his life personifies the walk of Christ. And then, you know, then me and my infinite wisdom, well, maybe he's trying to reach the lost Hooter girls. 
Somebody needs to. And I know you'd come uncorked if I did it. But do you see what I'm trying to get at? You just sit there and you go, give me a break, people. All right, I remember getting in trouble because I went to Los Angeles for the Shepherds Conference. Okay? And I told them that I drove through Las Vegas. And I had people got mad. How can you go through Vegas? Because <laughs> it's a long way if I don't. <laughs> okay? Well, but how can a pastor go? I didn't have the heart to tell them that the Southern Baptist Convention had their conference in Vegas. Uh, I didn't go to it. <laughs> All right, I want you guys turds hanging out in conferences in Vegas. Okay? Um, but, you know, dude, I mean, you can eat there for like two bucks steak and lobster and prime rib and all this stuff. And I'm like, is that a sin? I guess if you did it every weekend, it would be. But, um, but, but see what I'm trying to get at? They want to attack the integrity of the speaker and the, the, the professor of Christ. And they will do it on presumptions. Well, I presumed it was lunchtime. I presumed he was eating lunch. And the only restaurant that was between him and anywhere else was Hooters. And you just sit there and go, well, that's silly. Okay, but I did have to call. And, and, and I, anyway, which makes 17 and 18 very self-explanatory because he's honest. I'm not vacillating. There's not a yes and a yes and a no and a no. And he uses those two terms because it's an emphasis. Let me emphasize what it is. It's not that I sort of sometimes think that I'm going to make a plan. I'm not doing no and no at the same time. I'm not a politician. I don't give you what you want to hear and say the same thing out of the other corner of my mouth. That drives me nuts. And that's what the Apostle Paul is saying. Basically because he had withheld this visit, this return visit to Corinth, basically because he had backed away from that, they were saying you can't trust him. Okay, now, you and I would look at that. It ain't like he can just jump on a jet and bing, from Ephesus over. All right? Him to travel anywhere was a major undertaking. I mean, was I going to go by ship or was I going to go walk all the way around, uh, catch a mule, what, a caravan train of camels? What do you want me to do? Catch the express, what, camel ride? It's nonstop. (laughs) Bless me. Okay, anybody here rode a camel? I've had the offer several times and have never taken it up. And I plan on never taking it up. I don't care what they tell me it's like. Yeah, but it's, all I have to do is walk past them. Phew. They have a, a distinct aroma about them that says, why do I want to put my pants on that? <laughs> anyway. He was reliable, verses 19 and 20. Why? His message is the same as Sylvanus's message, is the same as Timothy's message, is the same, and they're only yes in Christ. It's that simple. It's that simple. He was authentic, 21, 22. Why? And, and I like the phrase right there. He says, now he establishes us with you. I like that because it says we are together. That is the body of Christ that he spoke of in, in, in 1 Corinthians. That we're all knitted together. Our spiritual gifts are all given to augment one another. So that there's a unity there. I need you, you need me. 
I know, a terrible thought, but oh well. All right, but it's all woven, it's interwoven. He says, there's no essence of me and then you guys. There's no me and Sylvanus and Timothy and then there's you guys. He says, we are established, we are made foundational, we are made firm, we are made unwavering in Christ, and so are you. It's the same. The faith that has saved me and Sylvanus and Timothy is the same faith that saved you. The faith that I walk in is the same faith that you walk in. That's the how authentic and reliable and honest and loyal he was. We looked at last week, chapter uh, verse 23 through chapter 2, verse 1, that he was sensitive. Why? He finally gets to the reason that he didn't come. He said, I didn't want to come and have to confront you again and bring you sorrow. See, we miss this, I think, in the church today. We get... The doctrinal dogma. And we forget that the doctrinal dogma is to bring us joy. I see people who've got good doctrine and no joy. And I don't understand that. Listen, if you have eternal life, if you know Jesus Christ intimately as he is in you and you are in him and you are only clothed in his righteousness and you are an heir to all of creation, why would you walk around happy with Jesus going on? That's the dumbest thing I've ever seen in my life. I've seen Christians and I think, oh my God, I hope I don't catch that. I don't understand that. When you think about your before your salvation, you went out and did things because you thought they would make you happy. And then you would find out it didn't, so you would try something else, and you would try something else, and you'd be trying... And then you have an addictive personality. You betcha! I was created to worship, and I'll worship anything if I think it'll make me happy. And yet Christ stands there and says, I am here. I am the fulfillment of all of your desires. And we all sit there and go, well, I know Jesus and I'm supposed to sit here with my lip out and crinkled up forehead and return or burn, baby. You see that? You know what I'm talking about? You have been given all the wisdom of the ages and you walk around mad about it. I, I don't, I don't know. Paul says, I had to confront your sin. Here's a church who took the Lord's table and it become a drunken orgy. As a pastor, I will probably say something about that. Okay. Well, I, you know, and I may even use it. Yo, stupid. <laughs> you know, uh, that doesn't sound sensitive. I didn't hit you with a bat, did I? <laughs> That means I'm sensitive. All right? But when it crosses it, yeah, you hold to it. I I mean, here were people who were perverting spiritual gifts. Okay? They were using their flesh, all right, to try to act like they were more spiritual. They were putting single people down saying, well, God doesn't love you or you would be married. And the single people were running around saying, you can't really serve Jesus because you've got your spouse. 
You know what? Both of those are alive from the pit of hell. I don't understand that. And you wonder why Paul says, I'm going to have to confront this. Why? He basically summarizes it in the first six chapters. They're self-centered. They're self-centered. They were wanting spiritual gifts. There's nothing wrong with desiring spiritual gifts. But they wanted gifts to say, look, 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 look at what I'm doing. I can speak in tongues. I can cast out whatever. And you just see it all over the place. I see it today alive and well. Look at my spiritual gift. <laughs> you know, I'm big for Jesus. Why? I'm speaking gifts. I know. Would you please? Shh. I, I don't understand that. We are all serving the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you're puffed up about it, you ain't serving the same Lord that I'm serving. I don't get that. I don't understand that. And it is, it is a tad bit annoying to me. Why? Because you are sensitive. Paul says, I don't want to come back there and have this, let me tell you all the things you're doing wrong session. Remember, between 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians, he wrote a letter that he calls the severe letter. And in chapter 7 of 2 Corinthians, he's going to say, Timothy has brought me a report back. And you know what? (laughs) I think you guys have got it. I might show back up. Listen, if you see a Christian who is in sin, why is it? That you believe that you can share, thus saith the Lord, and instantaneously they change. Anybody here believe that? Because I'm going to ask you a question. When the Lord revealed himself to you, did you instantaneously change? I guarantee you, every one of you, when you hear something from me that confronts you, your first response is, how can I argue with him? All he says is, I got to bring some scripture to bear. (sighs) And that's what we do. You confront sin to every response that I've ever seen is that of the cherished gift of anger. Well, you made me mad. You hurt my feelings. How can you be loving? And you just, well, you can't judge not unless you be judged. I never heard a bait. I've heard them all. Now, listen, if it comes in front of me, it, it ain't because, hey, let's see if I can't just make somebody mad today. I don't do that. Most of the con- confrontations that you will hear me express or share or ask for prayer about is with church leadership. Okay, because I believe that they have a higher calling. Not many of you should be teachers. Their judgment is more severe. And if it's not in the Bible, I'm going to say, where is that? I'm not an expert on this book, but I sure would like to know where you got that information. Okay. Very seldom will I cross a Christian. I, you know what? I'll walk with you. I'll talk with you. Oh, that's a song, isn't it? <laughs> Andy. I don't know who Andy is. But there's a sensitivity in the God's pastor that looks at that and he says, you know what? I've made my statement. I gave you 1 Corinthians. Okay. I wrote you a severe letter and I was in the process of waiting for Titus to come back and tell me how you were responding to it. All right. And I didn't want to come back and have to be back there and bring you sorrow again. 
Why? I wanted you to have time to let the Holy Spirit and you have fun together. Him convict you, you repent, and we be joyful. All right? Because, and I see this in, as a parent, we want our kids to what? Fill in the blank. We want their faith to be like ours. Well, has your kids gone through the same thing that you've gone through? No, you're trying to share it with your kids to keep them from going through it. And guess what? They never get that message. They all go through it. Why? They get the doctrine and then the question is the same that you and I get on a moment by moment basis. It's the same message that Job got. Do you trust me? Okay, that's all God says. Here's the information. Now then, you trust it? And then, of course, we're all sitting here on a Sunday morning thinking about Italian. Hmm, potluck, great. This is good. All right. And he's saying, hey, are you trusting this information? Are you trusting that my pastor will be loyal to you? Are you trusting that my pastor will be honest to you? Are you trusting that my pastor will be reliable to you? Are you trusting that my pastor is as authentic as you are? And are you trusting that he is sensitive to what I'm telling him? Which brings me to purity. Look at it. Verse 2, chapter 2. For if I cause you sorrow, who then makes me glad? You know, I read that. And the first time I read it, I thought, man, I know a whole bunch of people who are just opposite of that. Why? They take great joy in making everybody else sorrowful. I mean, it's always like, I'm rejoicing, I'm rejoicing because I just hurt everybody's feelings. <laughs> Have you ever seen them kind of people? Maybe I just get blessed that I get to run into a lot of them. Okay? The, if, if he has to come... See, what he's telling us in these two verses is, if I have to come back and confront... No, I will. No, I will. That's what Paul's telling them. Look what he says. But the one whom I made sorrowful is the one who makes me glad. Okay? Listen, who makes me glad? Okay, now now it's easy for us to say, well, Paul says that the Corinthian church makes me glad. I'm going to ask you a question. When it comes to you, who makes you glad? Where do you get joy from? Because that's what he's saying here. See, I confronted your sin. And yet the reason that I confronted your sin is that I wanted you and me to have the same joy together, the same gladness together. It's an interesting concept. Do you think it's an interesting concept? Some of you said, well, not when you're confronting me. (laughs) Paul's basically saying, listen, if I have to come and do it, if I have to come and cause you sorrow... You who do what? Cause me to rejoice. You who cause me gladness. But that same one has caused me sorrow. Have you ever been around a person who who broke your heart, caused you anguish? (laughs) Nobody said, I ain't admitting to nothing. (laughs) I'm going to sit right here. (laughs) I'm I'm looking for something. (laughs) 
Is he, is he talking to me? <laughs> if you ever have the opportunity to be hurt by somebody, ask yourself a question. How often do you want to see them on a regular basis after that? What's the difference with the Apostle Paul here? But the Apostle Paul, because he's God's pastor, a man after God's own heart, doing, desiring the will of God, he says, you know, if I got to come back here and cause you more sorrow, more anguish, or you cause me more anguish and lose my joy, and I'm not going to be happy about it, I'll come back. Why? Because my priority is the purity of the word of God, the purity of the church. The purity, the joy and the rejoicing that comes out of men and women like-minded rejoicing in their salvation and the grace and the mercy of Jesus Christ. And I want everybody to be there with me. It's kind of interesting. If I come and I make you sorrowful, then the only thing that is going to change that, the only thing that is going to make me glad is your repentance. And you're going to see that in chapter 7. A bunch of them all of a sudden said, lights are on, whoops. All right? And, and understand repentance. Repentance isn't getting caught. Okay? Repentance is, oh, poo, wrong direction. Turn around and head the other direction. And there's an action in it. We have repentance. It's like, oh, got caught with my hand in a cookie jar. <laughs> Okay, I'll stop that and then stand away from it. You've seen your children do this. I've seen adults. <laughs> I remember one time going to a bar um, to find a, a Christian's wife in the bar. And the look on her face, if I could bottle that up, I'd be a rich man. Because I'm betting that there's just nothing more awkward than to be in the bar being picked up by guys and turn around and see your pastor standing there. <laughs> hey, how you doing? <laughs> so, I mean, it gives a whole new meaning to awkward. <laughs> Listen, there was at that moment great sorrow. Okay. Listen, I wasn't real happy about it. I mean, it ain't like, you know, what are you doing tonight? Well, I thought I'd just wait and see if I could go to a bar under spiritual terms. Do you see what I'm trying to get at? People, people seem to think that, well, Terry just loves confronting. No, I despise it. But at what I've been called to, there's times that I have to. I've tried. I remember going and getting a girl out of a house, a lady out of the house. Me and another guy and uh, this lady we had been ministering to. And it was an awful mess. But this guy took her in and they're going to live together. And he's going to, they were going to take their vows before ISIS or some crazy stuff. And all of a sudden we showed up. Hi. And you could just, it's similar. It was during the daylight though because you could see all the blood leave their faces. And I said, you know, we'll help you pack your stuff up. We've got a place for you to live. We'll take care of you and all the rest of it. And the guy looked at me and said, well, what are you doing? I said, I am trying to get one of God's sheep away from a wolf. I don't know. I flunked sensitivity on that one, but oh, well. <laughs> See, 
Paul says, you know what? If I've caused you sorrow by confronting your sin, then all that will make me glad is your repentance. Okay? Do you understand that? If you confront a person's sin, you're not doing it because, yay! All right? You're doing it because you want to restore with that brother or sister the joy of their salvation and the oneness that they have with Christ and the oneness that they have with you. And when you confront it, then you're stepping into an arena that says, you know what? I'm going to walk with you in this. And if I have to, I'll carry you. And guess what? There's no limit to how long I'm willing to carry you. Those of you who think you're spiritual, see any brother in any trespass. What? Bear that burden. You know what it means? It literally means to come up under a pack mule and pick it up because the load on the back of the pack mule is too heavy for the mule. But be warned that you do not fall into the same temptation. Why? Because all of a sudden you can think that you're pretty good. And every time that I've ever thought that, I realize how heavy that load that that person was carrying and what am I doing underneath it? Okay? That's what the Apostle Paul's trying to get to us here. He's trying to say, you know what? Yes, there is a sensitivity here. I didn't want to come and bring more sorrow, but because my purity, guess what? If I have to, I will. Look what he says in verse 3. This is the very thing I wrote you. This is that severe letter. He says, I've already confronted you on this. I've already explained this to you, by the way. I wrote you this. So that when I came, I would not have sorrow from those who ought to make me rejoice. I should be with you in such oneness that we have nothing but rejoicing together. But if you have not repented, it isn't going to be a joyful time. Think about it. They're getting drunk at the Lord's table. You think Paul's going to have a good time with that? They're running around saying, hey, I'm of Paul. Hey, I'm of Apollos. Hey, I'm of Christ. There were schisms and divisions throughout that body of believers. You think Paul was happy about that? You think he says, well, let's just rejoice. I think we kick those who are following Apollos out, kick those who are following Christ out. We'll just all have the, the Paul followers. What do you think? Great idea. Okay, those people who were perverting the spiritual gifts. Oh, isn't that sweet? No, I've already confronted you about it. You know what? You're without excuse now. So do I have to come back and be more stern about this? See what I'm trying to get at? But yet there is a time that when you confront it, that you've got to allow God to change their hearts. You don't change them. Think about it. How many times have you shared your faith with your children and how effective has that been? You can, I, I remember a man one time telling me he was in business with another man who was a non-believer and he had been praying and God save him, God save him, God save him. And he, you know, give him all kinds of subtle hints and, and little books and really weird stuff like that. You know how we are. Some of us are. Okay, you know, I'm going to get you saved whether it kills you. All right. One of them kind of things. And God woke him up one night and he sat straight up in bed 
And God's comment that was going through his head was this. How do you know that's what I want him to be? Ever thought about that? That's weird. Because you and I have an idea what good faith is, walking with Jesus Christ, and we want everybody else to be like that. What if you all of a sudden realize that you are not teachable anymore, you're not listening anymore, and your faith has gone astray? Maybe God will put an anchor in your life so you can drag it along so your faith doesn't get too prideful. Oh, I know. That never happened to me. I'm right on. I read my Bible devotionals. I listen only to Christian radio. Okay, it is easy to slip into I'm not teachable anymore. Look at what I've done. I've carried all kinds of mules. (laughs) I don't think that came out right. But anyway, (laughs) I think I was trying to say burdens. (laughs) Mules. (laughs) Burdens, mules. Same thing. Okay, do you see what I'm trying to say? That's what the Apostle Paul is telling you and I in here. I wrote you this very thing so that when you came, I would not have sorrow to those. So when I came, I would not have sorrow from those who ought to make me rejoice. Having this confidence you, all that my joy would be joy for you all. He says, I want to come and have a little joy party with all of you. Why can't we come together and just rejoice? See, Listen, think about it. Do you want sorrow versus rejoicing? What you want? Okay? I just want to give you uh, joy, but I want the purity that Christ has called the church to time to happen. The whole point in writing to you was so when I come, we would be rejoicing. All the goofy divisions that you had, uh, Spiro Zodiades called them personality cults. All of those would be gone. The sacredness of the Lord's table would be back. And men and women in the power of the Holy Spirit would be using spiritually powered gifts for the edification of the saints so that there wouldn't be division anymore. There'd be unity, there'd be love, and there would be this rejoicing in oneness in Christ. That's why I confronted it. You see divisions in the church. You see schisms in the church. Know this. It's ripe with sin. You know what's right in the middle of sin, right? I. And the Apostle Paul's already confronted it. He confronted it in 1 Corinthians. He confronted it in a severe letter. He even made a little snap trip there and was just bummed out when he got there. I mean, he literally had people accusing him of his character and his integrity. And should we listen to it? And what really freaked him out? Nobody stood up and even defended him. That's amazing to me. But then I think about it. I'm like, I don't want to go on that road either. I believe it. (laughs) He said, even at his trial, no one stood with him. Christ did. See, Paul says, because of the purity that is in me and what God has called us all to, I had to deal with your sin. But I am sensitive enough to know it takes some time. He wasn't so 
sensitive, so kind, so gracious that he's going to overlook it. I watch people say, well, if you're really gracious, it's really merciful, if you really care, you just won't say nothing. Really. That person will deny the joy and the peace and the comfort that God has promised of coming unto them. But I love you more because I didn't make you feel awkward. It's interesting. Don't you think it's interesting? You can't overlook it. I, I, Paul is saying, it. I never made you sorrowful. If I've never made you sorrowful, the only way you're going to make me glad, the only way you're going to make me rejoice it, is when the sorrowful person who is sorrowful because of sin repents. Okay, repents doesn't mean I got caught. I mean, do you understand that in this church there was a man that they were touting free in Christ was having his father's wife? And the church says, but we're free in Christ. And you just sit there and go, that's creepy. All right. And as a pastor, would you confront that? Well, I'm praying about it. Really? No. You confront that. That is, that's still creepy. But anyway, that's why I wrote, Paul says. That's why I wrote you. So when I come, I won't have sorrow. Remember what he said to do with that guy? The guy who's got his father's wife. Right? Do you hear what he said? You know what he said to do? Don't fellowship with him. Put him out. Who? Shoo! But if they repent, what are you supposed to do? Bring them back in so that they don't have to carry an unnecessary burden. You bring them back in. You don't kick people out of church because, boy, I just didn't like the way they looked at me. All right? And just because you confront a sin, there's a process. You've got to wait for the Holy Spirit to work. Do you really believe that you can walk up, thus saith the Lord, and all of a sudden they're fixed? Because if you believe that, let's go have a talk and I'll see how well it did with you. Okay? See, Paul's basically, you know, he he wanted to come and have joy. When the Christians come together, it should be a joyful time. It should be a glad time. It should be a oneness that isn't manufactured. It's like, you know, dude, we're only going to live together forever in glory. Yes! That's the way I look at it. And if I have to say, you know what? I don't think you should have your father's wife. Just an idea. Paul says, I didn't know whether you had repented. And I didn't come. Until I heard whether you had repented or not. See, that's the confidence that he had. He says, I've already shared it. And I trust that the Holy Spirit is dealing with it. Okay, and people say, well, Paul says, you know what? I just want to trust God and I'm going to trust you. I've given you truth. And now then, how long do I wait? Till I hear repentance. 
well, how long is that? Well, how many times have you been busted with your hand in the cookie jar? And how long did it take you to repent? And you know what? You'll find out that some people repent faster than you. You'll find out that some repent slower than you. See, and Paul says, you know, I was waiting until I had heard that there was a change. And, 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 and then I, I wanted to come back and, and just have joy with the change. See, I see too many out there who get aggressive at trying to confront everybody. It's, it's really amazing to me, actually. Okay, but you know what I've noticed about that? It tears them up. They have no peace. I'm talking, not talking about the person who's in sin. I'm talking to the person who believes that they are God's enforcer. Okay? They're tore up. They have no joy. They have no peace. And all they're walking around is looking for is perfection. And the problem is they haven't looked in the mirror. I'm an ambassador for Christ. I ain't him. I'm a spokesman for Christ. I am a herald for Christ. Or a Bob. No. Had to say that. <laughs> I wasn't going to, but I just a herald is someone who says, Hear ye, hear ye, hear ye. The Lord has spoken. Sorry. <laughs> but I seen I see people who live torn up lives because they're running around trying to confront everything that they ever even dreamed of. That 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 people that I know that were mad at me because I went through Las Vegas to get to LA. <laughs> oh, I guess they ever looked at a map. But anyway, um, their lives is tore up. They're mad about everything. Ain't nothing ever going right. And you know why? They're... You've heard the phrase, judge not lest you be judged. Okay, the Bible teaches that. You better read the context. Okay? If you are put into place that you have to confront, count yourself blessed. You know why? You're about to learn patience. People say, well, you pray for patience? Never had to. Always seems to be learning it. I've never had to ask to learn patience. It always seems to be there. Guess what? You're going to learn more patience. But I thought I, you didn't or you wouldn't have thought you did. I'm in a constant state of learning patience. And if you are given the privilege of finding someone who is weighed down with the burden and you get ready to get up underneath it because all of a sudden you think you're spiritual, you're about to learn a heavy dose of patience. And it's fun. Carry on. <laughs> Listen, every one of you and every one of your kids and every one of your situations understand this. You, everyone has to stand in their own faith. My faith is I have absolutely no benefit to any of you. Sorry. Oh, by the way, your faith is of no benefit to me either. I love you. I know you all want to share your faith with me. I appreciate it. But let us walk together. You and your faith. 
me and my faith, and we will both end up at a place where we're standing in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. And that's the place that we will all be glad and joyous and rejoicing. And that's when you will embrace the joy. Paul's saying, deal with your sin yourself. Will you? You deal with it. So I don't have to come and deal with it. Interesting thought. But if I have to, I will. But know this, I am as the same as Paul on this one. I don't want to. I know. Well, what kind of leader are you? Smart. <laughs> Look, I have all my hair. <laughs> I like to keep it. It's a little thin. <laughs> I like to keep it. God's pastor is loyal, is honest, is reliable, authentic, sensitive, and pure. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the amazing things you've given us and you've shown us. Father, I thank you for my brother, Paul. Father, I long for the day that I will spend time with him and rejoice with him and just kind of hang out together. Lord, uh, I pray for my brothers and sisters this day. Uh, we all walk. I pray that each of us will walk in a manner worthy of our calling. Father, we will help one another. We will bear one another's burdens. Father, we will encourage one another. Father, I just pray that this group of people called by your name will rejoice in the presence of one another just to be around each other, to be glad and to be one in Christ, standing in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you so much for what you're doing. And Father, may uh, we just uh, never take each other for granted. Rejoice at the time we have and run the race that each of us has before us in the joy and the comfort of our salvation and the joy and the privilege of the body of Christ and the joy and awesomeness of you who redeemed us. In Christ's name, amen.